This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're still in Genesis chapter 25. We're dealing with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mainly Jacob and Esau now with Rebecca giving birth to the twin boys. And Isaac is 60 years old when this happens. And uh, it's important that that we take this morning to kind of look in at the family dynamics that were going on in this family because I think the Bible is pretty clear as far as making sure that we understand that there's some issues in this family. There's some issues that have developed in the way that these two, Isaac and Rebecca, are raising their children. Now remember, Isaac is a picture of, of Jesus. He's a type of Christ in the Old Testament, and Rebecca is a picture of the church. And we learn a lot about that about the church, about how God moves, about the different aspects of what God is doing in the church. And we also learn a lot about um, about how the church can get off course, can get off path in the way it disciples and the way it brings up its children or the those who are new to the faith. And uh, we can learn that both for the church and we can learn it for our family while we're studying this, this passage of scripture. And I think it's important that we do that because parenting is tough. Parenting is difficult. It is not an easy, it is not an easy thing. I see young parents all the time. In fact, yesterday I dealt with a young, young couple who, who were not doing parenting well and uh, they were struggling with their parenting. And they're not, I can tell that they're not bad people. It's not like they were evil, but young men don't naturally know how to be a good father. Young women do have some instincts, and God has given those to them, to, to mother children, but not all mothers are naturally inclined toward that. Not everyone is the same, and we're not all the same. And mothering and fathering oftentimes is done by what they grew up with. And so if you grew up in a household where there was a lot of dysfunction, there's a likelihood that there's going to be a whole lot of dysfunction in the way you raise your children. And if you grew up in a household where there was a really excellent mother and father, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to choose that way and choose to walk in that way. And parenting is very difficult. Parenting requires some wisdom. It requires the wisdom to understand that, first of all, that God has not given you those children for the purpose of your pleasure and your enjoyment. They're not your your new best friends, and they're not one for you to make just like you wanted to. They're not your baby dolls. That's not what children are. And oftentimes parents, especially new parents for the first time, they see these children as, as something that God has given them, or sometimes they don't even see them as something God has given them. They see them as an opportunity to have a new best 
new bestie, an opportunity to have someone who is who they can always love and be loved by and have that unconditional love. Now, the problem with that is, is the child doesn't understand that and the child is never going to act that way. That's not children are. They have their own will also. Just like Satan in the Garden of Eden trying to make Adam and Eve choose his will over the Father's will, the, tr- tr- the truth is that Adam and Eve didn't choose Satan's will over the Father's will. They chose their own will. They chose to do it their own way. And in fact, Satan's lie to them, you will be as God, was for the purpose of them choosing their own will. He didn't realize that because obviously Satan is not omnipotent. He didn't know that. He didn't know that man was going to be that type of creature that would choose his own will. He, he, we're not like the fallen angels. They, they followed Satan, but we don't. We follow our own will. And your children follow their own will. And that's important. And they're going to have a will and they're going to have certain bents in their personality, and they're going to have certain aspects of who they are that is very unique and very different, and they're not your friend. They're not your friend. I can't say that enough. They're not your friend, and they're not going to act in such a way like your friends do that make you where you feel good about them all the time. They're not. They are given to you for a season so that you can train them up in the way they should go, not in the way you want them to go, not in the path that you've laid out for them. It's the path that they should go. And who has decided that path? God's decided that path. And, And you manipulating them to do what you want them to do is not helpful. And it's not going to give them any nurturing. It's not going to give them any strength. And in fact, at times in their life, it's going to make them perplexed. It's going to make them anxious. It's going to make them nervous about life. You have to help your children have a direction, but you don't necessarily, you're not the one who chooses that direction. God chooses that direction. And your relationship with them has to be one where you understand that they're going to go off and live their life on their own and they're going to go off and live their life on their own and how well they were equipped for that life is wholly dependent on you and you might be able to keep them under your wing for their whole life but there's a likelihood that's not in their best interest there what did jesus do when he went when he went out and was baptized by john in the jordan river the bible says that the spirit of the lord drove him into the wilderness why because there got there has to be a season of being on your own of being in a position where it's just you and God. And that season has to happen in everyone's life. And the person who does not have that season in their life, have that season where they have to figure out who they are in the kingdom of God by themselves. If they don't have that season in their life, they're they're going to be stunted in their maturity, in their spiritual maturity. And that all the time, people who can't really get away from mom and daddy, can't really get away from where they are. Their, their maturity is stunted. They got, they've got to, at some point in time, they've got to spread their wings and go and do their own. And oftentimes, these people are perfect, perfectly capable. They're perfectly able, but they've got to have that time where they wrestle with God. they got to have that, that Jacob moment that we're going to go through later on. They've got to they've wrestle with God. They've got to become their own person. They've got to step out and be who they're supposed to be. And the only way that can happen is you not being friends with them, you being parents to them. 
And those whom the Father loves, he does discipline. By the way, Scripture, when it's talking about parenting, this is a uh, this is an interesting tidbit, a fact. The Bible never, ever really t- tells a woman how to be a mother. But many times in Scripture, the Bible teaches a father how to be a father. And there's a reason for that, because women do have some natural instincts toward nurturing and taking care of children. But fathers have the burden, and this is important understanding. Fathers have the burden of raising their children to maturity. The biblical, scriptural, God-given burden to ensure that your children are put in positions where they are, where they grow, and where they become, and where they where they figure out what it is to be an adult. And giving children adult responsibilities at an early age, overseeing them, but allowing them to handle things that they're going to have to handle in adulthood at an early age. And I'm not talking about six and eight, but I'm talking about preteen and teenagers, allowing them to understand the perils of living life on their own prepares them for living life on their own. I don't give a child a credit card, but I might give a child a bank account when they're in their middle. We obviously give them tons of dollars worth of automobile to ride around in, and do we hold them accountable for how they ride and how, what they do with that automobile? Do you hold the, Do you make sure that your child is doing what their responsibility is because they do have a job, and that job is to is to learn, is to is to excel in their education. Is that an important is that an important focus that you place on their lives? All these things are important in nurturing children, in growing children up, because your responsibility is not to be their friend. Your responsibility is to, at the end, have a mature, responsible adult who is able to do the same thing with your grandchildren. And he says it says in verse twenty seven, so the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter. Now it, the Bible is clearly showing us, okay, we got two boys here, and, in the, and they're growing up, and one of them is a skillful hunter. What is that telling us? That's telling us his bent. That's telling us what his personality is bent toward, what he, who he is as a person, as a human being. He's a skillful hunter and uh, a man of the field. But notice, but Jacob was a mild man, and that is a, that is a the word actually means complete. It means he did all things. He didn't just do, oftentimes we see Jacob as effeminate. And he's not effeminate. He's just able to handle not just to be a manly man, but he also understands people. He understands women. He understands men. He is a man who is able to, uh, to just to handle all things in life. He's not just been taught one thing. And that is in contrast to Esau. Esau apparently had had his interest in hunting and his interest in in being out there in the woods and being out there on his own, and that's fine, but just because you're that way doesn't mean that you don't have a duty and responsibility to the human beings around you and the people around you, and this is drawing a dichotomy between the two, and it's it's a strong dichotomy. One is he's given in to all his desires, and his desires are to be out there in the field and to be a manly man and to be a hunter. And the desires that he has, he indulges completely. And you're going to see that in his life. He indulges his instinctual desires, his momentary desires. He indulges them right there at the moment. And that ultimately leads to him missing out on God's best. That being said, Jacob was a mild man or 
he was a complete man, which means it didn't mean that he couldn't hunt. Doesn't mean that he couldn't do the manly things that Esau did, the macho man things Esau did. It just means that he could do all of it. He could handle both the wild living out in the wilderness and he could handle being domesticated at home. And I think that's important to understand that God has made men to be both. He's made men for the purpose of being uh men in in every real sense of that be interested in sports be interested in picks be interested in hunting and fishing be interested in competition and things like that but he's also made us to be interested in academics and he's also made us to be interested in being the leaders of our family and to be the leaders of our church and there's there there's a dichotomy there that we often place that God doesn't place on men. He wants us to be complete in every way. He wants us to be people or a manhood that is able to handle all things and not just be pigeonholed into one thing. And your sons ought to be able to do that also. There was a couple in the church I pastored in Montgomery, and their boys were, they were just all boys. They, they had, I think they had three of them, and man, they were gnawing on tree bark and jumping on the roof and fighting with each other. And I, at some point in time, when they got to be six, seven, eight, nine years old, the parents realized that we got to get control of this. We can't just let them just be crazy nuts everywhere they go. They can't just come into church and just be wreaking havoc in the church. And in fact, they both were educated and one of them was even a doctor. And you know what? Over about a year's period, they got those boys in line. They got those boys figuring out, you can't just go to church and act like a wild Indian running all over the place. You can't just be banging into walls and running over other children and th doing things like that. And they had that reputation, and many times I would see somebody come up to them expecting those kids to act that way and acting that way, and that mama would look at that person like, they ain't doing that no more. And they're not, and they didn't. Because the dad and the mom, I want my boys to be manly boys. I want them to be strong boys. I want them to be boys that, that, that fulfill their roles. But they also wanted them to be able to experience other things. They wanted them to be able to experience life. Wanted them to be able to be fathers in, in the home. They wanted them to be something other than just, just a bunch of wild boys. They wanted them to grow up. And they did grow up. In fact, they're pretty accomplished young men now. All of them have either graduated college or in college. I think one of them is even a college football player now. And he, but they're also into, I, I follow them on Facebook, they're also into music and they're also into all kinds of other stuff. And, and understanding that, that you need to be raising your children to be complete. They need to understand the culture they live in. They need to understand the people that they're around. They need to understand how life works. And they need to be able to be equipped to handle it and to thrive in it and to make a difference in the world they live in. And if they don't understand the culture they live in, many times they can't thrive in it. And uh, sometimes you go, how do you do that? Sometimes you just throw them in the middle of it and they got to learn how to swim. And that doesn't mean that you throw them in the middle of it and go sit in your recliner and watch TV and hope they don't drown, that means you throw them in and let them learn how to swim and watch. And if you have to snatch them out and get, get, give them a little bit of rest and then put them back in again, you've got to do that. They've got to grow. And Esau apparently grew in one direction, and he grew wild in that direction, while Jacob didn't. Now, here's the key verse here. 
And the key verse is why this happened is because it says, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. Notice, Isaac fed off of Esau's manliness, which is really, I guess the best way for me to describe it is sick. It's really sick. Notice, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. And that means more than just because Esau brought him some good meat to eat. It, he fed off of who he was. He made Esau into what he wanted him to be. He wanted him to be growing up. And let me tell you something. I have a little bit of understanding of that. And every man has a desire for his son to be like him, except a better version of him, or what he considers to be a better version of him. And first of all, let me say this to the fathers when they're, when they're thinking about this in that way. Your, God loves you. He's okay with you. Not, you. They don't have to be a better version of you. The version of you that God's making is okay. It's going to be all right. You don't, have to, you don't have to try to recreate a little mini-me that does it better than you did it. It doesn't have to be that way and shouldn't be that way. Let your son be your son. Let your daughters be them. Don't try to raise your children to fulfill or to accomplish the things that you feel like you failed at. That's not necessary. And it's not, and it's not healthy either. And don't feed into just a few things in their life. Make sure your children have a holistic view of the world, that they can handle the academic environment, and they can handle the athletic environment, and they can handle the arts environment, and they can handle, they can handle being around adults, and they're comfortable being around adults, and being able to speak with adults, and being mature like that. And the reason is because you don't know totally what God's plan is for their life. You can maybe see what they're bent toward, and you should train them up in that way. But just because they're bent one and they have that desire doesn't need doesn't mean that they don't need to experience other things and be able to see those things from the people's perspective who are really into it. I love to go to the theater. I love good music. I know what good music is. I don't know how to make it, but I know how to, I know what it is. And I love a lot of things mainly because I was given the opportunity to experience those things. And it's important that you allow your children. And I know how to be comfortable in every cultural environment that I'm around. I feel comfortable going into the poorest areas of central Alabama. And I can walk up into the most wealthy, most astute, high-class places. And I feel comfortable there also. And the reason is because I was given the opportunity to experience those things and walk in those things. And you, you do your children a disservice by just feeding into their innate desires and not making them be whole and complete and be able to handle and understand and deal with all kinds of situations of life because God's made them for great purpose. And if they're not equipped for it, oftentimes they'll miss out on it or they won't even see it as an opportunity for them. It says also that at the end of the verse 28, it says, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And that's just as bad. That's just as bad. What we basically got is favoritism here. And Rebecca is going to love Jacob, and she's going to work to favor him in every possible way she can. And she's going to ultimately cause a split between her children, and she's going to bend Jacob in such a way that he's going to have to spend about 15, 20 years of his early adulthood dealing with that. And that is a sad lesson. Uh, oftentimes we spend the first 10, 15, 20 years of our lives overcoming our raising. And I've seen so, so many people do that, spend the first few years of their lives having to try to figure out who they really are in the world because their parents didn't help them figure that out. 
That doesn't have to be you as a parent, and it doesn't have to be you as a young adult. You as a young adult, if you have that problem, let me say this. Figure it out. You can do it. Figure out what God made you for, and don't carry all the issues that your parents had. Look at your parents with loving eyes, and that doesn't mean judgmental eyes. What that means is look at what your parents gave you that were good was good, and take that and capitalize on it because it's the blessing of God that God's given you from your parents. But the things that your parents don't do well and the things that your parents struggle with, and as adults, we figure that out about our parents, reject those things. The Bible says the sins of the father pass to the second, third generation, which means if you don't deal with them, they're going to be your problems too. But the next verse says, but the grace of God is unto a thousand generations, which means you can overcome those things. And you ought to overcome those things. It ought to be a part of your life to overcome the things that your parents weren't. But it also ought to be a part of your life to capitalize on the things that your parents were. And in that process, ultimately, you become all that God wants you to be. And I expect that's going to be the case for you. In fact, I'm anxiously expecting it. I have great hope for it. Why? Because God loves us and God's got a plan for us. And that plan is for you to be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That's what scripture says. And I expect that'll be the case for you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.